Okay, guys, we're looking at lesson 21. We're going to talk about rebellion again. Seems to be a common word when we're talking about Israel in the wilderness. And we're also going to see vindication. We're going to talk about what that means here in a moment. We're looking at chapters 15 through chapter 17. Okay, so again, this is a lot of material. We're not going to read from the passage itself. We're just kind of going to go through it. And at the end... We're going to give you a couple of questions to think about, mull over, and discuss among yourselves. So, just kind of bring you up to point. In chapter 14, if you remember, you know, they were encouraged to go take the land. They were at Kadesh Barnea. They got the report from the 12 spies. 10 spies says, don't do it. We're insignificant. Two spies... Caleb and Joshua said, let's go do it. God can do it. But they decided not to. So God was going to wipe them out. Remember? God's going to wipe them out, start all over with Moses. Moses said, don't do that. Your name will be slandered among the nations and especially in Egypt. So God spares them, but he then sentences them to wander the wilderness for 40 years until that generation is dead. So that's where we end at, finished in chapter 14. Now we get to chapter 15, and I just want to say to you, fast forward. Okay? So there's a big gap between chapter 14 and chapter 15 as far as what goes on. You're not going to have all of the details as far as what went on in the 40 years. So let me just explain to you what went on. Marching around the wilderness and dying. That's what happens, okay? We're going to fast forward now to where they're getting to the end of the 40 years and getting ready to go take Canaan again. So this is where the discussion picks up in chapter 15. So in chapter 15, we're going to see that the covenant statues are rehearsed. Now, what do you mean by the covenant statues are rehearsed? Well, let's take a look. Because of the wandering, the younger ones had to understand their covenant requirements. Uh, Because of the wanderings, the younger ones had to understand their covenant requirements. So basically, remember, 40 years before, all the kids, they're the ones who are going to be going into the wilderness. Now, as we get close to the time, they've got to rehearse what God's laws are, what God wanted as far as what was to take place when they entered into the land. Isn't that true? We need to do that sometimes. We need to teach our kids the way things are. Okay? So, first set of laws concerned the free will offerings that the people would make to God. So, basically, we're going to see several sets of laws here that are reiterated. They're reiterating to the younger ones what the free will offerings are that they're to make to the Lord. Okay? Next set pertained to the offering of the first fruits of the harvest to the Lord. So the next set of laws had to do with, okay, when you're in the land and that first harvest comes and every harvest after that, the first fruits of that was to be offered to the Lord. Okay, the first fruits of that was to be offered to the Lord. This offering consisted of a cake 
that would be baked from the first cutting of the grain. So whatever the first cutting of the grain was, they were then to take that first cutting and make it into a special cake to be offered to the Lord. Okay? To be offered to the Lord. The third set of laws, now this is interesting here, this is where it's going to get really interesting, we're going to have a discussion about this later. The third set of laws pertain to sin offerings made to the Lord, okay? So now we're getting into that they have to be instructed again on the offerings that they would make for sin, okay? Why would they have to make offerings for sin? It's a pretty obvious answer, right? Because we what? Because we sin. Not us because we're Gentiles, because they sin. Now, but here's where it gets a little bit more defined. These were made in atonement. Notice what it says here. These were made in atonement for unintentional neglect or omission of God's command. So these laws were specifically written for sin offerings that would be made for unintentional sin or even sins that were committed because you just happened to forget one of God's laws. So that's, this is, this, these sin offerings were only for these particular sins. Sins of omission, sins that were committed unintentionally. Now, what's the problem with that? There's a problem here, isn't it? What? Well, yeah, we'd be doing that all the time, but that only covers a certain specific amount of sins, right? What's the problem with that? Most of our sins aren't in this category, right? Yeah, willful, intentional sins, deliberate sins. These offerings don't cover that. Isn't that scary? So the law, okay, in fact, that brings up the next final set. The final law concerned the issue of defiant sin committed knowingly and deliberately. So the final set of laws, now here it is, get ready for this, because we've not talked about this before to this extent, but it's being reiterated here in the book of Numbers. He's giving the final set of, the final law concerning Sins that were committed deliberately and intentionally, willfully, deliberately. Okay, here it is. Those guilty of this kind of sin must be cut off from the people by excommunication and death. Whoa. Did you ever think of that before? Okay, so let's start. Think, think about it for a moment. Uh, we all sin, right? Would you say that the majority of the sins that you commit are intentional? Yeah, probably. Willful, deliberate. Okay. All right, so what are your thoughts about this? So you're an Israelite. I mean, forget we're Gentiles for a moment. It's even worse for us, but forget that we're Gentiles. Think you're a Jew for a moment, wandering in the wilderness. Majority of your sins are deliberate. Are you toast? I mean, are you in a bad situation? Yeah. Because 
the law states that you were to be excommunicated. What does that mean? You're cast out of the people. So that's what they would illustrate it by taking you out of the camp and then killing you. All right, now what does that tell you? God's mean. Does that tell you that? Okay, Gene says he's serious. Serious about what, folks? Yeah, he's serious about our sins. See, we don't take that seriousness to heart. Your sin demands what, folks? Death. See, now do you understand why Jesus had to go to the cross? As your substitute, that's used in the New Testament, that he was our substitute for our what, folks? Our sins. Did, did you understand? That's pretty significant, right? Pretty significant. So those guilty of this kind of sin must be cut off from the people by excommunication and death. Now, to illustrate this final point of the law, the writers point to an event with a covenant breaker. So in the next set of verses, after you see the laws being reiterated here, specifically verses 32 and 36 of chapter 15, you're going to see that a the writer is illustrating the point that is being made here, especially concerning this final set of laws, with somebody who broke the covenant. Okay? Somebody who broke the covenant. All right, so what did this guy do? Well, a man was found gathering wood on the Sabbath and was kept under arrest until he was judged. Okay, now, are, are you grasping what's going on here? We're not talking about somebody who murdered. We're not talking about an axe murderer. We're not talking about a child molester. We're not talking about... Uh, we're not talking about... We're talking about somebody who on the Sabbath was out doing what? Gathering wood. What would he be gathering wood for? Keeping warm and cooking, probably. Okay? But the law states that on the Sabbath you couldn't do what, folks? work because the Sabbath was what? Holy. And the Sabbath was a sign of the covenant between God and his people. Alright, so here's what happens. He was taken outside the camp after God said he was to be killed. The Lord is the one who passed judgment. And the congregation stoned him to death. So they did what the Lord said. Now, okay, so as I'm telling you this, I'm sure there is a lot of mixed emotions going on through your thoughts. I hope there are. Okay? I hope there's a lot of thoughts going through your mind. And, and you can wrestle with them. Some of them might be like, how could God do that? I mean, is he... No, no, this is what I want you to understand. All of this is illustrating two things. Number one, it's illustrating the seriousness of sin, period. Because here's what we like to do. Don't we like to categorize sin? My little white lie telling you that I'm not home on the phone or telling my kids to tell you that I'm not, well, that's what we used to do. Now we don't even answer the phone. But... You know, my little white lie is not as bad as somebody who's dealing drugs, right? Well, in God's eyes, they are. 
Every sin is equal before God and worthy of death. So the first thing it's telling you is the seriousness of sin. The second thing this is telling you is you need help because you can't do it on your own, right? In fact, isn't that what Paul tells us in the book of Romans? That the law was given to expose our need for a what, folks? A savior. The law was given to expose our need for the Savior. Because here's the thing. Are you ready for this one? Listen, grab a hold of this one. You ain't as good as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. Period. Nobody is. So... <clears throat> Here's how what God did. He wanted, to, he wanted them to remember the covenant. He wanted them to remember the laws, okay? So the next thing he follows up with, the writer does, is he talks about that to remember the commandments of the Lord, the Israelites were to wear castles. Now, I, I think it's interesting. Sometimes I'm over by the highway. You ever over by the highway and you're at Walmart or you're getting gas at one of the gas stations there? or maybe you're at one of the restaurants there, and occasionally folks will come off the highway because they're from New York and they're traveling out this way or they're traveling back to New York, and you'll occasionally see some Orthodox Jews in the area. You ever been, been out there towards the highway and seen the Orthodox Jews come off the highway and everything? And, and you'll recognize them. The men have a cap on the back of their head, and then if you look at them a little bit closely... Hanging off of their garments sometimes are what, folks? Have you seen them? Tassels, right? Why do they do that? Comes right out of the law. And they'll tell you that the tassels are there to remind them of what, folks? The covenant. They're there to remind them of the covenant. Now, these tassels were to hang on the corner of their garments with blue cords. So God was very specific as far as the color of the cord that would hang the tassel, where the tassels were to hang from, from the corners of their garments. Okay? From the corners of their garments. Now, we're going to get to the rebellion. Seems like this is a common story, and here we are towards the end of the 40 years. First of all, let me stop for a moment. Think about this. You think that they would have learned by now about rebelling? I mean, just before that, years before that, they weren't allowed to go into to Canaan because of their rebellion. They saw what happened to Miriam when she rebelled against Moses. Do you understand what I'm saying? You think that they would grasp this point, but folks, guess what? We're, people don't grasp the point, do they? It's kind of, we're kind of like, hello, but they don't grasp it, okay? So a fellow by the name of Korah, okay, that's his name, a Levite, and Dathan and Abram, they were Reubenites, they're from the tribe of Reuben, led a rebellion against Moses. Okay? So here's three guys, they lead a rebellion against Moses. Not just Moses, but against Moses and Aaron. Alright? Against Moses and Aaron. They recruited 
250 of the top leaders of Israel as collaborators in the rebellion. Okay? So they recruited them. So they confront Moses and Aaron. So Moses, this is interesting. Hey, let me ask you something. How, how do you respond, okay? How do you respond if somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, you, you're not doing right. How do you respond? How do you normally respond when somebody does that? What? You get in their face. How many of you would be like, Bruce, I'd be like right back at him. Like, who are you to come? You know, that's our natural reaction, right? All right? Somebody at work, you know, you would be right back at him. That's not what Moses did. Moses humbled himself before the rebellion leaders, and then he gave them some instructions. He fell on his face before them. That's, that's unusual, isn't it? Actually, folks, can I be honest with you? Moses is pretty sure of who he is and what God's called him to do. So he doesn't have to defend himself. Okay? He doesn't have to defend himself. You know, we used to have a little booklet up here. I, I need to bring it up because this is the, this is the second time now that I've mentioned it. We have the sum downstairs. It's from A.W. Tozer. Remember A.W. Tozer? He actually was born here in Clearfield County. A.W. Tozer is now dead and gone on to be the Lord. He wrote a book called Five Vows of Spiritual Power. Maybe you saw it's a little book. You can read it in a sitting. One of the vows, I think it's the third vow, is, is never defend yourself. Let the Lord defend you. And we see that here illustrated with Moses. Okay? So the next day, they were to appear before the Lord with a censer. That is a bronze censer. It's kind of like a bronze plate or bowl with fire and incense. Now, I don't want you to picture that they were showing up with like a campfire in their hand. They actually, what they had when they talk about a fire there were hot coals from the altar. Alright? Hot coals from the altar. So it's still like a hot thing they're holding. It's bronze. But they're to hold this with incense. They're to offer incense with this. Okay? So, the Lord will select the one who is to come near to him. So God, Moses says, okay, you show up and God will select the one person who's supposed to come near to me. Because right now, Aaron is the one who comes near to him, right? Because he's the high priest. Well, that's what they're rebelling against is, who are you to be going to the Lord? You know what I'm saying? Isn't this crazy? Okay, well, God's going to select the one that he's supposed to draw near to him, Okay. So Moses warned the Levites that they were not content with being selected to serve the Lord. So here's what was going on. Moses said, okay, you Levites, it's not enough for you that God selected you out of all the tribes to serve him continually in the tabernacle. It's not enough for you to do that. Okay, that's a pretty special privilege. The Levites wanted to serve as priests and in doing so, we're challenging God. That's what Moses says to him. You guys don't know what you're doing. You want more than what God was given to you, and in, and in wanting more, you're actually challenging God. Wow, that, that's a great point to ponder for a moment, to meditate on. Sometimes you and I are not content with what God gives us, and we complain, and we want more. And in doing that, we might be rebelling against God from what he wants for us. Isn't that interesting? Something to think about, okay? All right, so 
Moses called Dathan and Abram the Reubenites, but they refused to come. So he sends the word out, I want you guys to come to this meeting. And they're like, no, we're not coming. We're not coming. They accused Moses of bringing them to die in the desert with false promises. We're not coming. You brought us out here to bring us into the land flowing with milk and honey. We haven't seen that land. And all we're doing out here is dying. Well, no, he brought them to the land, but they didn't want to go up and take it. And now they're dying because of their sin, right? Well, this is what they're saying. We're not coming because you let us here. You, br you brought us here under false pretenses. Okay, so here, notice now, Moses called down judgment on the rebels because they falsely accused him. So Moses it may be humbling himself, but Moses is still human. And he's like, God, you deal with them. They're falsely accusing me. I'm just doing what you're telling me to do. You deal with them. Okay? The next day, the rebels gathered with their censors as Moses had instructed. All right? So the glory of the Lord, remember the glory of the Lord, the presence of God, appeared and called Aaron, Moses and Aaron to separate from the rebels. So here comes God at the tabernacle, shows up, and he says to Moses, hey, you guys get away from these folks. You separate yourself from them. Okay? You separate yourself from them. God wanted to kill them, but Moses and Aaron prayed that the people would be spared. Now here's what's going on. Once again, God is irritated at the rebellion, so he says to Moses and Aaron, okay, you guys separate. I'm going to kill them. Now, when he says them, when he's talking about them, he's talking about everyone. Not just the people who are in rebellion, but all of the people. God's ready to kill all of the people. That's amazing, isn't it? I mean, God's, take, I mean, God's taking this pretty serious. In fact, I'll be honest with you. I, I just have been studying Ezekiel. If you go to about chapter 20 to 24, God mentions this specific thing specifically about how Israel continually rejected him and that he had wanted to wipe them out, but he didn't because of their rejection of him. So this is what's going on here. All right, so he wants to wipe them out, but guess what Moses and Aaron do, especially Moses, what? They pray and ask God to what? Don't spare the people, Lord. Spare the people. It's not them. It's not the rebels, Lord. Not don't don't kill the people because they're the rebels. You deal with the rebels, but you spare the people. That's what's going on here. He prayed that the people would be spared. All right, that the people would be spared. So the Lord told the people to separate from the rebels. <laughs> All right, you folks, you get away from those folks. Now, if you're the Israelites, are you going to pay attention? Yeah, you better, right? Because here's what happens. This is, you're like, I'm dropping my sensor and hiding, right? You know? Yeah, but it doesn't work that way. Remember, two of them are back in the camp. Two of them, Dathan and Abram, are back in the camp. You think God knows where they're at? Oh, yeah, here's what happens. Here's what Moses says to the people. Okay, God's going to pronounce judgment. The rebels are going to die. But here's what he said. If the rebels die of old age, it will prove that Moses was not called by God. That, that makes sense, right? 
God's going to kill the rebels. Okay, yeah, but what if it doesn't happen and they died 20 years later? Well, that just proves that Moses wasn't a prophet. He wasn't called by God, right? Well, here's what you see happening. The ground opened and swallowed the rebels and their families. They didn't have to wait 20 years for that one, did they? In fact, the text tells you, are you listening to this? Listen to this. It wasn't just at the tabernacle that the ground opened and swallowed those rebels, Korah and his family. Over where Dathan and Abram was with their families, the ground opened there and swallowed them as well. That's not coincidence. Oh, it's just a sinkhole. No, 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 that's not coincidence. Okay? And it doesn't end there, folks. Fire also consumed the 250 leaders who joined the rebellion. Remember those 250 guys who were holding censers there with the incense? Fire comes down and consumes them right there. Oh, wow, what an interesting time. Have you ever seen that happen around here in Clearfield County? The ground open up and fire come down at the same time? This doesn't happen. This is God. He's serious. So the Lord commanded that the 250 bronze censers would be gathered since they have become holy. What do you mean they've become holy? Well, God's judgment is holy. And this is all that's left. So now it has become consecrated to the Lord, he says. Gather them up. And here's what was to happen with those. They were to be hammered into a sheet that would cover the brazen altar, the altar where they would make the sacrifices. They would take those 250 bronze censers, hammer them into a sheet that would cover the bronze altar. So they would be a permanent part of the bronze altar then. Isn't that interesting? All right, now here's what here's the interesting thing. So, okay, let me uh, let me just go back here. All right, so okay, if you are witnessing this, this ground opens up, swallows the rebellion leaders, fire comes down, consumes the other two hundred and fifty, and you're just part of the people around there. How would you respond? You'd be scared to death. Would you believe God's real? Yeah, they did, but Bruce, it's going to get even worse now, okay? So they did. So how would you respond now, Lori? You would get right, okay? All right, now, here's what they do. And, and, and this is not a comedy, folks, but it almost seems that way. Because of the Lord's judgment, the people complained and pressed their opposition to Moses. Are you kidding me? You would have thought that that would have settled it, but it didn't. What they do is they complain more and more about Moses, and they complain more and more about how he should not be leading them. <laughs> You've got to be. So the Lord appeared again and told Moses and Aaron to separate themselves from the people. Kind of makes sense, right? Like, okay, now Moses and Aaron, I want you to get away from these foes because I'm taking care of them. Yes, Lori. Yes, he already knew their hearts. Here. Yes, he really did know where they were at. Okay. So Moses told Aaron, here's what Moses did. This is amazing. Still part of the intercession. 
Moses told Aaron to quickly rush into the people and offer incense to the Lord. Now, incense is often a picture, a visible picture of prayer. So here's what Moses said. Grab your censer, grab some incense, you run into the midst of the people and you offer incense to the Lord. That's what Moses said, okay? When Aaron rushed into the people, he found them being struck by a plague. So he's rushing into them with the with a censer to offer, and then he looks around and people are dropping dead from a plague. Now, what would you do? I would do. I'd be like, I tail in the back. But no, he doesn't do that. After Aaron offered incense, the Lord stopped the plague, but not before fourteen thousand seven hundred were killed. Wow. Pretty serious, right? Okay, and here comes the vindication. Because the authority of Aaron was challenged, the Lord called for a test. So God's wanting to settle this issue once and for all, okay? The people were to gather a rod from the leader of each tribe with their name on it. So everybody was supposed to give their rod, okay? It was very customary that everybody had a rod, like a big walking stick or whatever. So they were to gather from the leaders of each one of the tribes a rod, put their name on it. The 12 rods were then placed into the tabernacle. So Aaron and then the other tribes. Now for the tribe of Joseph, that would be the tribe of Manasseh. They would put their, they put their rods into the tabernacle for overnight. Now a lot of you know this story. We, we teach this in Sunday school because it's amazing. But you got to understand why, what's going on here. The next day, Aaron's rod not only had sprouted, but had blossomed and produced almonds in one night. Isn't that amazing? His rod not only just branched off and, you know, sprouted, but it blossomed and produced almonds in one night. So in order to remember the authority of Aaron, the priest, his rod was placed into the ark. Now, if you had the ark today, if they discovered it, there would be three things in the ark. There would be the two tablets of stone with a covenant on there. There would be a pot of manna, manna taken from, okay, and you would find the um, rod, Aaron's rod that had sprouted with almonds. Now, I know you watched... Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. And when they opened it up, it had nothing but sand in it. That's just Hollywood, okay? No, this is very, very special to the people of Israel, okay? So the people were fearful. Now, this is how <laughs> they go from crazy to weird, right? They were fearful and responded that they would be killed if they touched the tabernacle, you know what I'm saying? So they go from one extreme, let's get rid of them, to where, oh no, we can't even go to the other because God's going to kill us. Okay? All right, next week we're going to see something more as we move on. Okay? 